0: All right, we are so happy to be with you today. Uh, So thanks for joining us on this Memorial Day weekend and all who are watching online. We, over the last two semesters, have ventured out into a huge study of the book of Isaiah. And uh, it's been really incredible. We're now coming to the final chapters in the book of Isaiah and the final weeks of our series. So we just have, uh, after this Sunday, we have a couple of Sundays left. And uh, we'll, we'll wrap up this series. It's been an awesome series. I don't know how you study a book with 66 chapters, but we've done it. And it's been awesome and I've had a lot of fun. So thank you for being a part of this. Uh, last week, Isaiah looked 700, excuse me, 700 years into the future to the coming of Jesus Christ. And he told us how Jesus would come and he would proclaim good news. Jesus ushers in the year of the Lord's favor. And that just means that... We can be saved simply by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? Jesus is the God we can trust. Uh, but we also saw that those who reject Jesus, Isaiah warns of a day of vengeance for our God. So this reality of year of the Lord's favor, day of vengeance for our God, which Steve will talk about next week, it. it it reminds us today and it awakens us to the urgency of the gospel and the urgency of this moment. I think a lot of us here this morning, we, we have this feeling that, you know, as we celebrate Memorial Day, our, our nation is at a crossroads. And, and we have this sense that events that are happening in our life today could shape this world for generations to come. What kind of world, what what, what kind of world do we want this to be? I want to see a world like we read about last week in Isaiah 61. Liberty for the captives, joy instead of despair, beauty instead of ashes. Isaiah fills our hearts with hope this morning because Christ has won the victory. How can we see a better world at this, this unique moment that we all live in? How can we see... A better world, and the answer is simple: two things. It's through preaching the gospel, just like Jesus did, wherever we live, work, and pray. And number two, the world's going to change through people who pray. I want to talk to you today about a cry for revival. I want—I want to talk about coming before the Lord and urgently praying for spiritual awakening in our world around us. When we look at the history of revivals and you can go and you can study it. Many people have studied revivals down through the history. You may not know this, but every revival in history started with prayer. The common thread in every move of God, when God decides that he is going to awaken a people to his glory, the common thread in every one of them is people who pray. And that means that today that Revival could start with you, could start with me, could start here. Do you believe that? When we look at the last great nationwide revival in the history of our country, it goes back to 1857, 1858. Now I might count uh, Billy Graham and some of the amazing things that happened with that as kind of a national thing, but um, the last, it's almost a third great awakening, happened in 1857, 1858. Check this out. It was called the Businessman's Revival. You know why? Because it was sparked by a businessman. Not a pastor, not a ministry leader, but a businessman in New York City. And he felt the need for men to pray. And so he made up a little pamphlet. He began handing them out for about 30 days, just inviting Men in New York City, take a little lunch break and come and pray together. The pamphlet read, prayer meeting from 12 to 1 o'clock. Stop 5, 10, or 20 minutes or the whole hour as your time admits. The day of the first prayer meeting came and he sat there by himself. And then one person trickled in, two. He had a whole six people at his first prayer meeting turned to 20, and then 40. And it multiplied into hundreds and thousands of people. And prayer meetings were being held all across the city of Manhattan, and then spreading to cities all across the United States. The Presbyterian Magazine, in May 1858, projected that 50,000 New Yorkers had entered the kingdom of God in just the first five months of 1858. The same was reported in churches and denominations all across the country. And it all started not with a pastor or a ministry leader, but a businessman. Could be you. Could be me. Students. See some students in the room today. How about you? You know, we, uh, the last 200 years, the United States has sent out more missionaries than any other nation on earth. One of the greatest mission-sending forces have come right here from our country. And and if you would take this global mission-sending movement and if you could trace it all the way back to the very beginning, you know what you'd find? Five students and a prayer meeting. How about that? Back in August of 1806, Five students at Williams College prayed together while taking refuge from a thunderstorm in a haystack, famously called the Haystack Prayer Meeting. And uh, out of this prayer meeting came the first American missionaries, the first American mission-sendings organizations, and the world would never be the same. You want to change the world? Give me five students in a prayer meeting businessmen, students, moms. How about you praying for your kids or grandparents, praying for your grandchildren? You know, one mom went to her room on a Saturday afternoon in 1849. She went in, she locked the door behind her, and she began crying out to God for the salvation of her son. And she, the story goes, she stayed on her knees interceding for her son until her heart flooded with joy that God had in fact heard and answered her prayer. Later that afternoon, her son came home and he told her he had become a Christian. And the name of that young man was Hudson Taylor. Many of you know he, one of the greatest missionary leaders of all time. He spent 51 years in China. He founded the China Inland Mission. He trained and sent out well over a thousand gospel missionaries to China, and personally brought countless thousands of Chinese to faith in Jesus Christ. If you trace it all the way back to the very beginning, you have a mother's prayers. We could go through story after story, awakening after awakening. When Billy Graham would go into a city and say, how do you awaken a city? And he would say three things, pray, pray, pray. In the history of the world, you won't find a prayerless revival. Every spiritual awakening down through history began with people who pray. And of course, one of the great verses in the Bible says this much: you may a verse that always comes up when we pray for a uh, awakening is Second Chronicles seven fourteen. You probably have it memorized. And my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and. Let's try one more time. we Will humble themselves and pray. pray. That's right. I'll turn from their wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. If my people, it's a big if. Will we pray? Will we cry out to God? Big if. Will we pray? If my people will pray, I'll heal their land. Well, To inspire us, the closing chapters of Isaiah, we find three encouragements to pray, three separate passages, and uh, each one of them challenges us to raise our level of prayer so that we see God come down and change lives, and, um, and I'm just excited about this message, and I hope you will leave here today fired up, pray for the transformation of our hearts. Of our communities but it all starts with prayer and I think we should start by praying let's pray God thank you for this morning you're a glorious God and uh, you're worthy of all all the praise and we love God that you invite us into a relationship with you we love that you've forgiven our sin and that we have this opportunity to bring our requests, to intercede for those who are around us. And we don't take that for granted. But we believe you work in powerful ways beyond what we can even fathom. So I pray that you would show us the strength of prayer and the glory of a people who will pray and help us to answer that call of, if my people. So God, work in our hearts, soften our hearts. Speak through your word. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we got today three ways we our house of prayer can raise our level of prayer. Three ways our house can raise the level of prayer as we cry out to God. And number one is really simple. We pray. We pray. So baseline, we're starting just right here. How do we raise the level of prayer? Number one, we pray. And I know that sounds really obvious. But maybe for you today, just to raise your personal level of prayers to start right here, and we actually pray. I believe that God wants to ignite a fire in our hearts today, that, that our role, Hope Community Church, and our purpose as a community of faith is to actually be a house of prayer. So let's look at this passage, Isaiah 56, 7. It says, These I will bring to my holy mountain. And give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so we see here the calling of God upon our house. And and us as a people, he's called us today to be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. But I want you to notice the word joy. Don't you love that word? I will give them joy in my house of prayer. How cool is that? I think if we're going to be a people of prayer, uh, we need to confront uh, a little bit of, of feedback, you, you know, indirect feedback that we often get when we talk about prayer, which is this idea that says prayer is boring. Now, I know we would never say that because just to say prayer is boring, like, you know that's wrong, okay? But, but we, can, we can easily get caught up and, and me too, we can easily get caught up in this idea that, well, you know, we come, we pray, we don't pray, it really doesn't matter because God's gonna do what God's gonna do and and uh, we kind of endure prayer is that, you know, five minutes we sit through a church or we endure prayer at the end of our small group meeting, because at the end of the day prayer is nothing more than a religious discipline. And if at the core, that's really what prayer is all, the, all about, then I can understand why you might have a feeling that prayer could be a little bit boring. But we see some, something so much greater than that, don't we, here in Isaiah 56? Right? God says, I will make you joyful in my house of prayer. I'll bring joy. My house will be a house of prayer. And, and, and I want to focus on this word joy here. There will be joy There will be life in the house of prayer. and So here's what I want you to get this morning. that, That we have an opportunity for real joy in prayer. Where does joy come from? Well, I love this. Look at the passage. Joy number one says our sacrifice has been accepted on the altar. I love that. Our sacrifice has been accepted on the altar. That means when we come to pray, we have the assurance Right, that we have full acceptance before God because of Jesus Christ. Through the death of Jesus, He's our sacrifice. We have we stand righteous before God. We have full acceptance before God. I, I was thinking, even as we were singing this morning, is Jesus, I, I love this verse, John 16 24. He says, He says, until now you've asked nothing in my name. And then he says, Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Why do we end our prayers with, in Jesus' name? Because it's through Jesus that our prayers have been accepted. What a joy. What a blessing. Joy number two. God says, I'll bring you to my holy mountain. I I love this. God has welcomed us to his holy mountain. He's invited us to experience the majesty and the wonder of a relationship with him where, where we're in conversation with him and he's in conversation with us. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. Glory. What I want you to hear this morning, though, more than anything else, is that God desires, and you can put your name in here, your prayers. Not just your pastor's prayer. Not just, you have a, some, you have a, a grandma and she is an intercessor. And God desi- delights in her prayers. But God delights in your prayers. Not just your grandma's prayers, not just your mom's prayers or your dad's prayers, not just the prayers of, of our church leaders who come up on Sunday mornings and they pray so eloquently. I want you to see today, I want you to hear it. God desires your prayer. Say my prayers. Come on, say me. Yeah, got to feel it. Not just the prayers of famous people like Francis Chan and Priscilla Scher and famous prayer warriors in history like Ian Bound. No, my prayers, come on. He delights in your prayers. We have a great example here from the ministry of Jesus. When Isaiah prophesied, 700 years before Jesus, he gave his messages in the city of Jerusalem. At that time, the temple of God stood in the city. But Isaiah warned of a time where where the nation would come, which is Babylon, and would destroy the temple and the city. And that happened in 586 B.C. When the Jewish people came back and they rebuilt the temple, they built it with a massive court, of the Gentiles. Take a look at that. Now, I, I think it's almost as a response to Isaiah's message here of my house will be a house of prayer for the nations. The court of the Gentiles, isn't this interesting, is the largest, it was the largest court in the temple area. And yet when Jesus comes along and he shows up and he's walking through the court of the Gentiles, What does he see? All kinds of buying and selling. He said he'd become a den of thieves. He gets angry. He throws the tables over. And he says, no, no, no. My house will be a house of prayer for the nations. (coughs) You see the zeal of Jesus today. For us to be a people of prayer and a house of prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. What does it look like in our house to raise the level of prayer? Number one, we must pray. So I want to I ask you today, as a church, let step into that place of prayer. And maybe for you, that just looks like clearing out your schedule. A little bit to have a moment every day to read your Bible and pray. You've got to get a little fierce like Jesus did. Clear some things out because I'm going to be a person who prays. Or maybe for you, it's, it's being in your small group. This is small group week, and there's that moment when everybody prays. and You're going to say, you know what? I'm not just going to sit here and listen to other people pray. I'm going to jump into the joy of prayer because I'm going to use my voice to pray. Let's jump into that place of prayer. We pray. We want to pray. We want to be a house of prayer. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's just leading out in prayer as we serve Jesus together. And I love how over the last few years, we've begun a little prayer meeting before our worship service. So we gather together and we huddle. And yes, we run through the service. But the main point is that we would pray for our Sunday morning and ask God to work in powerful ways. We lead out in in prayer. There was a church in my my city back back in Colorado and said a prayer-powered church. That's what I want, Hope Community. Three ways our house can raise the level of prayer. Number one, we pray. Number two, we watch. We watch. What's this about? Let's go to the passage. Isaiah 62, 6 through 7. God says this through the prophet Isaiah. A posted watchman on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord. Okay, here's the prayer. Calling on the Lord? You who call on the Lord, check this out. Give yourselves no rest and give God no rest as if we could do that, right? Reminds me of the, the, pers- the persistent widow, right? Yeah, don't, don't give God any rest. We just keep ask not. Don't give him any rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her of the earth. Now, in those cities, they would post a watchman on the city wall. And uh, the watchman's job was just as it sounds. He would stand there on the wall and he'd watch, he'd watch the horizon to see if anything was approaching the city. And, and maybe they were, maybe it was something expected. They had intel that an army would be invading. Or they knew that there was a messenger coming with maybe with news, you know, good news perhaps, whatever it was. But it was the job of the watchman to wait and to not take any rest until what he was looking for had finally arrived. It reminds me of when my family travels to Colorado and they're flying back to Philadelphia. And without a doubt, I don't know why the flight always lands at like the middle of the night, you know, 12 o'clock, 1 a.m. And I'm doing everything I can to stay awake. I'm like running in place, splashing water in my face, you know, drinking cokes, whatever it is, because I'm the watchman. And I got the flight tracker going because when that plane lands, I'm going to be there waiting and watching for the arrival of. Guys, when God shows up, when he moves, when he comes in victory, and lives are changed by Jesus Christ because of the good news of the gospel. Who are the first to celebrate? We see um, Isaiah 52 describes the scene. We looked at this passage a few weeks ago. Look who celebrate. The watchmen celebrate. Isaiah 52:7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. That's us. We're the good news bearers with Jesus. Who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Here they are. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices and together they shout with joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Why do the watchmen celebrate? Because they haven't been silent day or night. They've been crying out to God, asking, seeking, knocking. I'm not going to let God have any rest as if he would rest. And they're praying, God, come and establish your glory. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done for the praise of the earth. And I'm not going to be silent And I until I see a move of God in my generation. I'm not going to be silent until I see a move of God in my children. Whatever it is, guys, How do we raise the level of prayer here in our house? Number one, we must pray, but number two, we watch. We are the watchmen, and God has posted us, every one of us, in specific places. And God has placed us there to pray for the world around us, so we're the ones who are saying, God, I'm not okay with with children who are falling away from the Lord. God, I'm not okay with the direction of our country, whatever it is. God, I'm not okay with so many people disconnected from God in my school or in my neighborhood or at my workplace. No, 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 not on my watch. I'm gonna pray. And I'm not gonna quit and I'm not gonna give up and I'm not gonna stop because I am the watchman. And God has placed me here to be an intercessor and a person of prayer. We're watchmen. You're a watchman. I'm a watchman. We pray, right? I had a surprising opportunity to do this. I was kind of shocked. Uh, Tom Bagby invited me out to my first Phillies game. It was really awesome. You were proud of me. I'm a proud owner of a Phillies hat. So <laughs> things are happening here, um, slowly. It was a great time. But as, a, as you come into the stadium, of course, there's a person that checks your bags. And I had brought a plastic bag from the Museum of the Bible and had a couple of water bottles and some snacks. And I handed it to the lady and she starts looking at my bag and she goes, oh, man of God. And I was taken aback. I was like, oh. And I was just, God prompted me to ask her, "Um, yeah, I was just like, "Uh, yeah. Um, I said, do you need any prayer? And she immediately looked down. She goes, you can pray for everything that I have just have so many health problems all over my body. And I leaned in. And and you know, there are people coming in. There's a line. And I just lean in and I go, I'm going to pray for you. I pray for complete healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. I looked at her and I just blessed her in Jesus' name and went right into the stadium. Watchmen, people who pray, where has God posted you? going to be silent. not going to give up. I'm going to be the one to pray. My family, my neighborhood, my community, my nation. Watchmen on the wall. How do we raise our level of prayer? Number one, we watch. Number two, we pray. Last one, we expect. We expect. We come with expectation. And I want to encourage you this morning, when you go to God, you pray boldly. You pray confidently. And we don't wonder if God is going to respond to our prayers. We know He is a God who works on behalf of those who wait. We pray big prayers because we believe in a a big God. So put up the next passage. This is a passage for every one of us this morning that ought to raise our expectation of what God can do when we pray. I love this. Hear the passion. Let's pray like this. Oh, that you would rend. This is God. Oh, God, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Yes, Lord, the mountains would tremble before you and when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes the water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains tremble before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen. Any God beside you, there's not one, who acts on behalf of those who wait from him. And I think sometimes we give up on prayer because we've forgotten who God is. Our God is not a small God. Right? He is a God who can rend the heavens and come down. Right? He, he releases a greater presence for us. He, he, in this passage, God literally rocks. Did you catch that? The, the earth is shaking and the water's boiling and the nations are quaking. Right? This is why we pray there's no one like our God. Right? He is all powerful. Nothing is impossible for him. He is an awesome God. I find a ton of encouragement. I hope you will too in verse 4. It says, God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Are you waiting for God? Another word for wait. In the Hebrew Bible, it is just trust. How do we pray and we don't see answers to our prayer? But we trust that God is working. I believe that. He, he works on behalf of life, Are you waiting today? You praying. God is working. Believe it. Lift your eyes, lift your expectation. I love how Paul quotes this passage in 1 Corinthians 2 9. Raise our expectation of what God can do, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. That's in quotes. He's quoting Isaiah. The things God has prepared for those who love him. What's Paul saying? We can't even fathom what God has prepared for us who love and delight in him. So that's why we raise our expectation. How do we raise the level of prayer? We pray, we watch, we expect we expect God to move when we pray? Just to give a little testimony here. We have a big party planned for Angie's grandma. and uh, She's turning 90 years old on July 2nd. It's a big deal. She lives in Nebraska, so we need to fly our whole family to Colorado the week of July 4th. If you've looked at plane tickets lately, a little bit crazy. Right? It's really hard to find any sort of cheap prices on airline tickets, and we're looking at the prices, going, "Wow, this is this is going to be tough." So we actually brought the prayer request to our small group, and we just said, "Hey, will you guys pray? Airline tickets are expensive. We need to go. We just pray on our behalf." And we prayed. The next morning, the tickets went down $400, which we just took as an answer to prayer. We got the tickets. By that afternoon, they were up $600, and they haven't come down since. Isn't that amazing? Prayer matters. Prayer makes a difference. We have kind of a, I guess, a a life verse. You have not because you ask ask not. It's true when it comes to prayer. What are we praying for? Expect God to work. I don't know all the dynamics that go into every single thing that you're praying about right now and your story and your journey and maybe. Maybe you've been praying for a child, and it just seems like they keep getting further and further away from the Lord. Or uh, maybe there was that healing you prayed for, and it didn't happen. Or uh, maybe, you know, financially, things just seem to be getting worse and worse and worse, and you're crying out to God. And I don't know how you interpret all of those things, but I know that as you're crying out to God, if, if I take anything from these verses today, it's just the truth. I believe that our prayers matter and your prayers matter. And and though we can't interpret every little detail of our journey, why God did that thing or why he didn't do what we thought he would do, I truly believe there's coming a day and we're going to look back at all those things we prayed for and and, and we're going to have a moment in eternity where we look back and we go, oh, now I see God that you're working. I see how you took every one of my Prayers and used it for your kingdom and glory. So God works on behalf of those who wait for him. And you can trust today. He's working in your life. Believe it. Raise the expectation. How do we raise our level of prayer? We pray, we watch, we expect. He is the God we can trust. And so today, I don't know about you, but I want to see awakening here in our community. Pray for our neighborhoods. We pray for the schools. We pray for friends who don't know Jesus. And I'm asking God to just blow our minds with a renewal that changes lives. And I'm just asking, why not here? Why not today? Give me a church that prays. God can change the world. I truly believe that. So let's raise the level Let's press in. Let's intercede. Let's see what God will do. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. And uh, what a great day to come to learn about your power and your glory. And I ask this morning that you'd ignite a fire in our hearts for knowing you and walking with you and interceding. God, the great glory of prayer is that we encounter you and we experience your presence. We believe you're working. We cry out today for our nation. We cry out for the school shootings that we're seeing and just the spiritual emptiness all around us. That's leading to all kinds of violence and lies and evil. And we're not okay with that. Not on our watch. Not in our community. Not in our families. We cry out today for a spiritual awakening and renewal unlike anything we've ever seen. We draw the circle around our hearts and we say, God, start here today in my heart, in my prayers. I'm coming after you with a passion in my heart. I don't want to be lukewarm. God, help us not to have lukewarmness in our hearts. We acknowledge, God, sometimes we're so casual about prayer. Not anymore. We are the watchmen on the wall. Stir our hearts to pray and to intercede and encourage them. with with little testimonies of how you're working. Help us to not give up, to pray big prayers. We believe you're a big God. And there will be a day when you establish your glory and your kingdom and from sea to sea, river to the ends of the earth, Christ will be king. And you reign even now. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. We ask for your power to move in this place even as we close and worship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's stand and let's worship.